Hebrews 7. We'll just see how we go tonight. Just uh, see what comes up. But, um, you know, this is something that he's putting his finger on right now, but his finger's always been upon it. And it's this tension, you know, where it's like the fivefold. Fivefold has always been in the scriptures, but then he starts to put his finger upon it because it's in relation to his prophetic calendar and he needs this brought out because of what it does, even though it's always been there. So we're going to look at this Melchizedek priesthood, but it's always been here, but he's putting his finger on it. And it's all in relation to what we're saying, who he wants us to be. And So don't, don't think this is any different than the bride. Don't think this is any different from being a son, a nation. It's all the same thing to people of God. So... Melchizedek's priesthood like Christ. For this, this is uh, seven one. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham as he was returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him, to whom also Abraham apportioned a tenth part of the of all the spoils, was first of all, by the translation of his name, king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, he remains a priest perpetually. Now observe how great this man was to whom Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of the choicest spoils. And those indeed of the sons of Levi who received the priest's office have commandment in the law to collect a tenth from the people, that is, from their brethren. Although these are descended from Abraham, but the one whose genealogy is not traced from them collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed the one who had the promises. But without any dispute, the lesser is blessed by the greater. In this case, mortal men receive tithes, but in that case, one receives them of whom it is witness that he lives on. And so to speak, through Abraham, even Levi, who received tithes, paid tithes, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Now if perfection was through the Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of it the people received the law, what further need was there for another priest to arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be designated according to the order of Aaron? For when the priesthood is changed of necessity, there takes place a change of law also. For the one concerning whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe, from which no one has officiated at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, a tribe with reference to which Moses spoke nothing concerning priests. And this is clearer still. If another priest arises according to the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become such not on the basis of a law of the physical requirement, but according to the power of an indestructible life, for it is attested of him, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Pretty meaty stuff, eh? So... um, I'm not sure what sort of maybe Sam had in mind, but I think I'm just going to... Yeah, here you go. Cool. Thank 
Cool. Powerful passage, eh? Real powerful passage. Um, and I think, like like Greg was saying, this this mysterious figure Melchizedek seems to have come up quite a lot uh, recently, you know, in our prayer times and 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 through different um, different dialogue and messages and, and and that sort of thing. So I thought it'd be cool for us just to. To, to have a look at who this person Melchizedek was and what it was that he represented um, because what he lived in and lived from is what we are to live from as as priests of God. Um, and so we see here in, in chapter 7 that um, that there were, really there were two priesthoods, one according to the to the Levitical line or the order of Aaron, um, and a second according to the order of of um, of this man Melchizedek, which really wasn't a, a man's order; it was always um, heavenly and eternal. And what we see here is the the first priest was actually not the physical one; it was a spiritual one. It was this person Melchizedek. Who met Abraham after Abraham had been in this this battle um, with with the kings um, of of the time, and they have this encounter, and Abraham recognizes something in Melchizedek, and he gives him a tenth of all his possessions. You know, now what what's awesome about this little interaction is that there was no law requiring him to give money or to do certain do a certain things. There was something about um, this this encounter that captivated Abraham and that he saw something in Melchizedek um, and, and innately it, he acted, you know. And so what we're keen to look at um, tonight is this priesthood according to this new order, the order of Melchizedek. Um, and it could be cool if we just work our way um, through the passage and pull out a few of the key elements. Um, I thought maybe starting with verse 3. Um, so it says here, to him whom, to him whom also Abraham had appointed a tenth of all the spoils, was first of all by translation of his name king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Now listen to this: without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, he remains a priest perpetually. Interesting, interesting passage, eh? For this man Melchizedek to be without father, without mother, without genealogy, neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God. He remains a priest perpetually. Um, so, guys, it could be a cool place to start. What, what does it mean for this man? To, to not have a father, not have a mother, and be without a genealogy. Nick, I don't know if you're going to kick us off, mate. Or you can pass. The... Yeah, I'll pass. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to kick us off, Greg? I think for me it, it just depicts that um, the spiritual reality is first. And, um, you know, God is spirit. And so in the beginning was God, God is spirit. This whole thing is built spirit, and yet we live in a physical world and a physical reality. And so this order, this true order is of the spirit. And it doesn't have, you know, God is our father. And so Alan Simnor, although he was my natural father, and Lillian's were my natural, and they, they were vehicles that brought me forth into this earth. 
But like we've been looking at the well, my life was predestined and hidden in Christ the Spirit before the foundation of the earth. And so, you know, it's this tension of honouring the physical, but really honouring the spiritual. Um, and knowing the first, knowing where your first starts, because, you know, we, we're so fleshly, so physical, that we can only see this physical lineage. I'm a simnaught. No, no, you're a son before. But you're, you know, you're born through this physical, and it's about discovering what it really means to be the son, because the spiritual reality exists. And obviously we don't know it exists until our eyes get open to it. And so I love this, and you see this in Christ's life, where he says, you're not my father, or sorry, you're not my mother, and you're not my brother. So he's identifying with the spiritual lineage. He's identifying that, yes, Mary, you gave me birth, but actually, you know, you were were impregnated by the Holy Spirit, and I was with the Father before the foundation of the earth. So I honor you as my parents, but actually I'm in my Father's house. And so my father is my true father because this is really about a spiritual line, not about a physical line. And so the physical reality, because how is you know how does God express Himself in the earth? Well, literally through a physical manifestation. And so that's how He started going to work within me. I, you know, He has to put a spirit in a physical being. But I don't honour the physical in the sense of I'm living from the spiritual reality because, you know, I'm actually of another lineage. And um, this is so powerful if, if, you know, we get this revelation because this, this is where healing happens, especially if being rejected by a natural parent, you know, is that actually when you start to realise that my identity was never in that line, and actually my father, my true father, never rejects me. He accepted me. So, you know, it actually starts to renew, restore, and bring a reformation back to the original design. And so then I'm not bound or under the influence of my past because actually I'm being set free from my past because I'm discovering who my true mother and father are in Christ. But it's all of the spirit, you know. That's right. And I think that what he's not saying is that he wasn't born to a physical mum and dad, you know, but that who he is and his identity has come now from another father, you know. And I think to be able to say things like, um, you know, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, <laughs> you know, it's like that is a pretty massive statement to make, you know, to say that actually my, my days didn't start 29 years ago. They started way before then, you know, and my life isn't going to end in 60 years time, you know, it's going to, it's going to continue, you know, and to see yourself not, to me, if, if you see yourself as not having mother, not having father, not having an earthly genealogy firstly, and not having beginning of days nor end of life, then it's like, what, what is it that we're doing here on earth, you know? Maybe there's more to life than just this physical 90-year period than what 
what we think that life is about. And maybe um, even in that 90-year period, there were things that God had predestined in his mind for what life was always supposed to be about that were more than just natural, physical things, going to work, having a family, and, and doing the daily grind, you know? And to me, this is what this is what this uh, sorry this is what this spiritual priesthood is all about. You know, these are this is the heartbeat of priestliness. You know, is that you you have something in you that yearns and longs for something that's more than just what you can see and touch and feel. You know that you've been predestined for something greater, and so. What he's saying here is, is not that he's got any aggro towards his parents. It's not he's not reacting out of bitterness. It's actually the complete opposite. He realizes that he's been born for a purpose that's beyond this earth, and actually, it's it's people that can live like that that can actually love and honor their mother and father for who their parents actually are, because you're not looking for them to fulfill in a, a role in your life that they were never supposed to fill. You're never supposed to get your identity from from your physical parents. You're always predestined, created in the image of your true heavenly father, drawing the source of life from him so that you could be rightfully connected to your parents and love and honour them if they treat you well and even if they don't treat you well, you know, because you've been elevated to a place that, that's far and above um, those physical connections, hey, you know. Yeah, that's why I was a bit hesitant with um, being first to answer the question because if you look into this, and this, this time I chose not to listen to anything but just seek the Father on this, and I've, I've, this is something that's really excited me in the past and, and to, to know about this, this priesthood and this order. Um, one of the things here, it's like, it reminds me of, um, you know, Jesus says, no man will know the day or the hour. And then everyone tries to focus on the day and the hour, you know. And so I think, you know, what I'm hearing you say, Sam, is that because it says without father, without mother, without genealogy, you know, it's to say that let's not worry about who the man Melchizedek is, but it's because he comes in the order of Melchizedek, which is what's important. So it's the order, not the person, because if you start going and studying him online, everybody's saying who he is. You know, is he Christ? Is he some other figure? And so we can end up focusing on the who rather than the what, you know, and the why that sits behind it. The, the reality is that he, he came from God. And, um, and when you look back, um, just one verse before, at the end of verse 6, it says, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So Jesus came from the unseen realm, to reveal to us who we are, that we would he we would follow him who has gone before, and all of this happens within that place where it's that hidden place that is now available to us, the holy of holies, where there um, the thing about priests is that there was and still is 
this work that is an inner work, that there's this coming, there's this stripping, there's this washing, um, there's this anointing, there's all these things, and the, the, the place is the inward place, because now he's after our inward place. And so all of this, we can't just say, I make a decision not to love my mother and father more than I love God. You know, because none of this can be achieved in man's strength. And and that's what Jesus came to do and to bring us freedom from those very things that people have been trying to get near God, trying to become like God, trying to do the things that please God. And Jesus came to actually set us free so that he would bring in this new and living way where we'd actually be able to live as this kingdom and priests that we've always been predestined to be. But the process is still this um, this one of this in, inner transformation and becoming. And I love the fact that the words in that verse 3 says, but made like the Son of God. It sounds a bit like conformed into the image of Christ to me. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, if we go down to verse 11, which is where officially we were supposed to start tonight, um, says this, Now a perfection was through the Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of it the people received the law. What further need was there for another priest to arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not designated to the order of Aaron? For when the priesthood is changed of necessity, there takes place a change of law also. For the one concerning whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe from which no one has officiated at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, a tribe with reference to which Moses spoke nothing concerning priests. Um, Guys, in verse 11 it says, Now if perfection was through the Levitical priesthood, what further need was there for another priest to arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not designated according to the order of Aaron. What, what do you see the difference being between the physical order of the priesthood of Aaron and the, the spiritual priesthood according to the order of Melchizedek? Well, it says it in verse 16, doesn't it? Not on the basis of a law of physical requirement, but according to the power of an indestructible life. Yeah. It's just this resurrection life that comes through death and life comes through the power of the cross and it can't be entered in by the doings in the outer court that is separated from him but trying to do the right thing so this is the beauty of God's master macro plan is that we find ourselves in a time within his plan that is sitting under a new covenant where it says prophets long to look and see into these days that there would be a fulfillment of God's purpose and plan upon the earth that before this covenant people couldn't 
actually enter into this life because it was outside of their time frame. While at the same time, you know, you see individuals partaking of a reality um, through this thing called faith. And so we've been designated to be in a time that this entire reality of God's plan through his power is available to us to be raised up as priests. And, you know, we have these, well, you can have these weird sort of images of what that looks like. You know, does that mean we've got to walk around with collars on and robes? And, you know, that's sort of man's version of some of these things, trying to grapple with this reality which can only be brought to light through this power of the cross. You know, this resurrection, this Christ, uh, the, the, the I am the resurrection, this power is me. And, you know, we're actually only in this priestly ministry to the measure we're in Christ. And so to the measure that we're in Christ's revelation is to the understanding measure we actually know we're priests and know how to minister as priests. And so this is like the fulfillment of the purposes of God here. It's incredible. And in this time frame, and it says, you know, it says like this was a foreshadowing. So the old was all a foreshadowing of what was to come until the one would come to perfect this reality. And so... You know, there's a greater onus on us to understand and comprehend just what God is offering us as his people because it wasn't available to the mass back here. They had to require this physical, so they went through the rituals of doing the things, knowing that ultimately that couldn't sustain this reality. You know, but it was part and partial, it was right, but no one could actually then keep this standard because the standards of the Spirit. So this dimension that is available for us that wasn't available to them, you know. And so there's a fulfillment, and yet we're still part of this one people group, you know. And so it's like, man, we what a what an honour it is to have this available that wasn't. And people here prayed that we wouldn't miss it too. And yet this reality, it's not outside of Christ again. So you know, it's like. All this revelation is within the high priest. You see, so he is the high priest and he's the apostle. And just within it, Hebrews 3, 1, it says that we have a heavenly calling. Well, what does that mean when I get to heaven? No, it's lived out on earth. So it's heaven's reality lived out on earth. So this high priest came and demonstrated what a priest looks like. He ministered firstly to the Father and to the people. There was a divine order to this ministry. And he was also the apostle. So this is actually an apostolic priestly ministry that we are called into because, you know, imitate me. Paul's an apostle. So this dimension, but it's all found in Christ. And it's a heavenly calling. It's like, man, what's this heavenly calling? Well, it's understanding because Revelation, I just found it here. Listen to this. Check this out. Worthy are you to take the book, so this is Revelation 5, and to break its seals. For you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men. From every tribe and tongue and people and nation, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. So with his blood, he purchased men, women, Man from every tribe, tongue to be something. 
And these people are to be a kingdom and reign. And so this is a spiritual reign now. We've been given the spiritual authority, but there's coming a literal establishment of God's kingdom where there'll be a reign. So it's now in the future. So this is critical that we, this priesthood that Peter talks about, you know, this living stones that you've called to be a holy priesthood set apart. So this is part of our identity of grasping this magnitude. What is this even? And, but it's in him, you know. And I think that that's so massive, eh? When he says that he's purchased us to be a kingdom and priests, you know? And, and when he says he's purchased us to be priests, he's not talking about priests in the, in the old cover, you know, in the old order. He's talking about these, these priests according to this heavenly line, hey, you know? And I think to me, one of the, the key things is, you know, this, um, this verse where he says, um, and this is clearer still, if another priest arises according to the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become such, not on the basis of a law of physical requirement, but according to the power of an indestructible life. You know? And under the old order, <clears throat> there, were, there were literally hundreds of physical requirements that priests needed to keep. And here we, the writer of Hebrews tells us, actually, it's you know, being a priest of God is not a matter of keeping all the right Levitical laws, but even in the same way, it's not a matter of keeping all the modern day Christian expectations and traditions that have been instituted by by people's expectations. You know, it's that that being a priest is more than singing songs and it's more than preaching messages. It's more than attending discipleship group. It's more than all natural, earthly, physical, um, Christian requirements. It's actually about an indestructible life that God wants to form in you, you know? And so he's dividing here the difference between what we see in the order of Aaron and the order of Melchizedek but really, this is not a, a this is not a division between way back then and now. This there can be people. It's it's a it's a spiritual operating system that he's talking about. That you can be a, a, a modern day Christian, but actually be really be living for the, from the order of Aaron. Probably not in, in in a lot of the physical requirements, but in spirit, you're still trying to keep a law of of earthly requirement. But but. But what here that um, we see a true priestliness is not about whether you tick all the right Christian boxes. It's about whether you've entered into this indestructible life, this life in Christ that you then live from, that, that, that your life is an expression of Christ in you as opposed to the things that you can do to, to please him or to serve him. You know? um, so. Yeah, um, what, what struck me was in Hebrews 11, the next chapter, it talks about Abraham and it talks about this way of faith. And we enter into this this order by faith in Christ, our high priest. And so we see these men of old who entered into the order. You know, when, when Abraham was willing to offer Isaac, you know, he wasn't offering up to the order of the law. There was a sacrifice there, but there was something about his faith. That he entered into something that was bigger than that. So God was willing to give us a picture of Christ and, and offer the ram as the sacrifice. So you've got these men of old that were entering into this because this is an everlasting order, an eternal order. You know? 
which, which just depicts the starting point, isn't it, of God? You know, so before this Levitical line, there's another priestliness. So you see spirit, flesh, spirit. And that's the beauty of this whole picture, is that God had started in spirit. You know? and, um, and yet that Levitical line was right for the time. Okay, so it's right, it's not wrong, it's right, but then it gets fulfilled. But there's some really cool things we can learn from it, even though we're living under a new, you know, because so often we can have this romantic version of what it is to be a priest. Everyone wants to be a priest. It's like, well, okay, well, let's picture what it would have been like in the Old Testament when you're slaughtering animals and you're getting, imagine bringing a cow and blood spurting everywhere, it's going crazy, you are covered in blood, you've got, it's like, Anyone want that? Mm. And what is that spiritually? What does that yeah. represent? You know, it's like getting into the dirt and the grit of people's lives. Yeah. It's getting behind the I'm good, I'm good Christianity to this really dirty place. It's into life. It's in the blood. It's where the sweat. <coughs> True priests of the spirit have a heart for that stuff. They see beyond, yeah. and they're prepared to sit with people in the mess. And their brokenness, you know? And it's things like, what did they do with the innards and what did they do with the flesh? You know, it's like, we worship this outer thing. Well, it got taken outside of the camp and burnt. And it was the innards that they offered up to God. So what does that look like now? Heart. The inner God wants to lay your life down, worship with your all your heart. I oh, will do this external thing and we'll keep our heart from him. So there's heaps of cool things you can learn from looking at this priest and how they did what they did, but it was fulfilled when Christ came. And this is this, it's this whole thing around power and this gospel that we've been talking about. Do you know what I mean? So the, 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 the thing that brings us into the reality of what we're talking about is the gospel, not the message, the messenger. So it's receiving the messenger Paul received the messenger. He was not taught the message. And that's what he says in Galatians. He said, I was not taught this thing that Jesus died. He said, you know, it didn't come from man. It didn't come from the agency of flesh and blood. I received a direct revelation of Jesus Christ, the priest. He says, within me. Hence I come to know him. I receive Christ, Christ crucified, what we looked at this morning. That's why I only will preach Christ, Christ crucified that comes, because it's the power of the one who is the resurrection. So, you know, you've got to connect the dots to go, he received Jesus Christ, the messenger. He didn't hear a message and went, yes, mentally. Okay? And Jesus Christ said, I am the resurrection. See, so I am the resurrection and the life. So you receive me. I'm the priest. To the measure you're in me, does the measure you understand this priestly ministry that you're called for, because you have a heavenly calling to understand who you are. You're not Greg Simner, born in Liverpool. You're a son predestined to a spiritual priesthood with a whole lot of other priests brought in by the Spirit because you're all in fellowship with me because you're not rocks, you're stones. You're not cookie, I never get this right, cookie cutter. <laughs> I always say it the wrong way. Huh? You're, circle, you know, you're, you're natural. 
You know, so you bring all these stones, and then together you become the spiritual priesthood, being raised up as a spiritual house, because you're in Christ. And this is this thing. Well, how do I get into Christ? Through power, continuous power. Don't rest your faith on man's ability to try and understand all this. Rest it on power, so you see who you've been called to be. And then you can partake of it. It's in him. Um, I just, I've just been really struck in going into this that what is in Holy of Holies is the mercy seat. And this is what the power of the cross does. And what it leaves you with is this, this, revelation of his mercy and that's what would cause us in view of God's mercy to lay our lives down because you can't hope to be a priest to someone else if you aren't dead and haven't been raised you know the inner work has to happen in here because this is a priestly ministry that is not first to people it's to him and he is the one that, that in that sacrifice, it was the entails. It was the, the fat of the liver and the kidneys, the inner parts that were the sweet savour to God as a symbol of the fact that he wants our heart. Mm-hmm. He wants access into the inward parts, truth in the inward parts, not the things that we can do in the flesh. All of that, if our identity is, you know, and he, he has to do this work in us by revelation, that that is death, all that stuff that, that we try and do by ourselves is death. He hasn't even revealed that we're trying to do it by ourselves because usually we're saying we're doing it in his name or we're doing it for him or we're reasoning it all out. And um, so that this, this mercy seat is a, a powerful thing and it's also where the Lord said he was going to speak. So there's this intimacy that is in that place that is nowhere else. And um, I, it was funny, I just got nudged back into this book again, the Art Cats Apostolic Foundation, and I was reading this bit which I want to share um, the things that are sweet savour to God are the inner parts, not the outward things. The work of God in the inner man, in the hidden places, in the things that are born in inward wrestling are the offerings that please him. If we offer our personalities, our winsomeness and our fleshly abilities to God, it is because we do not have the inward parts to offer, never having, having learned to rest or wait before God. The offerings that are sweet to God are formed deep within us when we bear the sufferings and reproach of the cross. Mm. These are the things that God esteems. A true priest is one who has an accumulation of the inward workings of God in the hidden place. He knows God behind the veil of circumstances and outward feelings. God has dealt with him in ways that cannot always be explained to men. 
ways that leave man utterly alone to suffer and endure. They are humiliations that are calculated to bring him closer to God. Few have opened themselves to God for this depth of dealing in that inner place where something can be built up of a sweet savour. Most of us protect ourselves from the suffering and pain of the cross and therefore our whole life is lived on the level of the outward and visible rather than the inner and hidden. I thought that was really powerful stuff, you know. Um, so I think this is a whole... It, it, it's the, the core, it is the heavenly calling and the... It, it is everything that he has been speaking and this word that he's been releasing to us. It is that if you love your father and mother more than, you know, all of these words are interlinked, you know, and the power of the cross to sever the ties with the things that are natural because that is not who we are, that we're not of this earth, that we are of another realm and he has come to release that word that is going to, as Christ comes and forms himself in us, is going to form the reality of who we actually are. And it's this priestly ministry. Yeah, Yeah, I'm so taken by our forerunner, the high priest. He demonstrates the laying down. He said, said, I choose to lay down my life. You don't take my life from me. I lay it down. And we're called as well to lay down our life. And he laid down his life on the cross as a sacrifice that we, he would come into this resurrected life. So there's the laying down, then there's the resurrecting by the power of God, you know. So we're laying down every day, carry your cross daily, laying down our lives, allowing him to resurrect it into eternal life, which can't be destroyed, which lives on forever. And he's the eternal high priest ministering forever. We need an advocate in the holy place of heaven advocating for us to allow us to, and empower us to come into this life. And it talks about the new and living way um, in chapter 10, um, verse starting in verse 19. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter into the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And and it talks about the veil of the temple being rent and torn. And then it says the veil was Christ's flesh. You know, so you've got a physical veil and the temple gets torn. That is a picture of... Now the Holy of Holies is open up to us, you know, that we might enter in. Think about the sword of the Spirit, whether it's the sword of the Spirit pierce in our flesh through our veil because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit lives within us. The picture of the physical tabernacle was a picture of us. It was a picture of Christ and a picture of Christians, you know, and... It's just unbelievably beautiful. We lay the things ourselves down. I was looking, I watched something on the high priest. It was just on the garments of the priesthood. And it talked about the mitre on the head. And on the mitre of the head was called, was the words holy unto the Lord. And so our thoughts and our minds, and you know, just from what you were saying, Sandra, are to be on the things of God, the things of heaven. 
you know, to be heavenly minded, having our minds renewed by the power of Christ to the things of Christ, you know. It's just, it astounds me, the pictures you know, that we see in the word of God that point to these heavenly things. Amazing. I, no, I, we would just really encourage you to spend time in Hebrews, you know, like 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Because what's been declared, and, and this is the challenge, you know, it's like, it's like the kingdom messages just compared to sin and salvation messages. And the difference between messages that are all about having a really good life here on earth, self-fulfillment messages, as opposed to lose your life here on earth and discover the real life you were created for, which is now and eternity. And you can know beyond the physical and we say things, oh, you can only know in part, and you know, and yet, do you know how big the part is? Yeah. You can know, you know. And so, in our ignorance, we end up sabotaging our own reality that we can know, and we we we're very temporal. It's all about the temporal life. It's like the messages are all geared to your life now. In the temporal, do you know, five steps to have a good marriage, five steps to have a good this, five five steps to all this stuff, and yet actually, I'm not saying it's wrong, but it's not to be the focus, because when you understand that you've been bought with a price for a life that's more than food and clothing, you know, that, what I just said in the light of what I just said... <laughs> You know, five steps to have a really good life. Life is more than food and clothing. Oh, what are you? T- I'm talking about his plans, not my plans. Wrapping him up in a box to try and shape my plans and say thank you, Lord, and bless my life here. You know, and this is what starts to challenge because, I, and I can feel it in the room. It's like, like what? Like what? You're saying I'm. Yeah, that this has no end of days and this is going beyond. Do you know it says in Revelation that the bond servants, which are the priests, same thing, will spend their eternity in the new heaven and the new earth this close to him. They will see his face. They will have his name written on their foreheads and they will serve him forever. Now does that sound like a priest? Who's serving the Father? You will serve Him. Sandra just said it. Priest first who serve the Father. He will write His name, and you will see His face. Does that sound like a marriage covenant? Does that sound like fellowship? See, this is for. I'm talking about forever because it's forever. Death is a blip. Death is not the end. But this other message is all about trying to have a really good life now because you're going to die. No, 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 no. You're going to miss out on life if you're unaware of what really is life because the power, this resurrection, it's all in God. God is opening up faith. You know, it's back to this morning. Power opens up this. What I'm saying and what we're saying is all in an invisible realm. That's why we talk this other stuff because we can't see it because we don't have faith. So, so you can't talk this stuff unless you see it. You can try to create it out of your own head, but you'll never live it. 
And so what we do is we talk this temporal stuff, because that's all we know. And so we're, we're, we're actually, we've got an identity crisis. Because we don't know who we are. You know, and if you don't know who you are, you can't live to who you are. And so God has to, you know, so he's, he's crying out. And, and, and I, I just really want to encourage you, you know, just to spend time with him in the scriptures and ask the spirit to illuminate what is here. Because it is profound. And yes, it's deep. And it's weighty. It's not heavy. But it's actually who you were predestined to be. You know, along with like a soldier. You know? Soldier doesn't get entangled in civilian affairs. What does that mean? Does that mean I don't work? No. Does that mean I don't get married? Well, it's up to you. But you know, he then warns us around like, but if you get married, you're supposed to have undistracted devotion to the Lord. So it's okay to get married, but have that right in front of you before you get married. And if you are married, livers if you're not, because you've got to get back to that. And he's not saying get a divorce. And he's saying, you get married, all of a sudden the attention goes from set your eye on the things above where all this is to now here. And all of a sudden you've been distracted. (laughs) Well, we can now, can't we? (laughs) You've been distracted and led astray from this reality of actually who you're really called to be and live out, which is not just now, because everything now is going towards the judgment. See, and this is the point of it. It's going towards a day where we're going to stand in front of God and he's going to go, right, let's have a look. Not for punishment. It's not the judgment for punishment. It's for reward. And it's for your place as a bondservant in that, or maybe not. Because you are unaware of a reality, you know, and God has been communicating this, and that's why it's like, I feel like He's got His finger. Hey, just on the last three weeks, we've been talking about a lot at, at eldership, and this precinct. If you follow my Facebook, you would have seen this apostolic priestly thing on my Facebook post. It's like, what does it mean to be an apostolic priest? What does it mean to actually be who He says I am? He's calling me a priest. He's expecting the priest. But not a human version of a priest. A kingdom of God version. You know? And so I just want to really just want to encourage us to, you know, and together. Questions? Time? Call it? Yeah, sure. Lord, I just thank you for tonight. I thank you for the entirety of tonight. Thank you how everyone here engaged in tonight, Lord. And what happens when we all engage is you rock up. When we draw near to you, you draw near to us. And you minister to hearts through praise and the word and prayer. I pray, Father, you would bring to light this ministry, this priestly ministry in Christ. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would take us deeper into the one who is the unseen who is the high priest, who every promise is yes and amen in him. He is the mystery that every treasure and wisdom is hidden in. And so, Holy Spirit, you're the leader, the guider, the teacher of the truth 
to bring us into the fullness of the Christ who is the truth. And so we just posture and position ourselves again today, tomorrow. I pray that people would enter into these discipleship modules if they're not in one already. And just really wrestle with you individually and together for the reality of who you're calling us to be, knowing that we are covered by love. And so there's no condemnation in this, just life. Because your love has perfected us, but you're building us. So Lord, just thank you for your incredible mercy and patience and love and power that builds us into who you call us to be in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a cool week.